ladies and gentlemen, it is Sunday night, and that means it is time for another weekly episode of the Four Wide Salute Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Casey, back in action. Boy, what a uh, a filled, eventful weekend in the world of racing across the country, uh, especially in the dirt form, of course. But, uh, you know, not for not as many tracks opened and running at this current moment, whether seasons haven't started or due to COVID reasons, there certainly has been some very eventful things going on. And let's start with Friday. So as you know, uh, you know, the World of Outlaws went through a, a huge problem with their Arizona and California dates being canceled due to COVID reasoning, no fans allowed reasoning, whatever the case may be. And it was going to be a huge amount of time they were going to be off. But they picked back up, went back to Volusia, where they started the season. And that's where they were on Friday night. Uh, I think that the show itself took way longer than it needed to. Just my opinion. Uh, the track was super wet. And they had to run it in a lot more than you, I would think you normally have to. Uh, for 24 sprint cars and 12 op mods... The show ran like four hours, but at the end of it, they did get a race in. No weather played a factor. You know, hey, we got a race in. Uh, Macedo started 10th and picked his way up towards the front, and Hayfordteep took off. Hayfordteep was leading for quite some time, and I don't know if it was his lunch break or he dozed off at the wheel, but Macedo caught him with his pants down. And Macedo just drove away from Hayfordteep. Uh, so Macedo got the win from 10th. Hayfordteep ended up second. And Gio Selzy uh, picked up the podium there in third. The Outlaw Late Models were supposed to be at Duck River. They canceled earlier in the week uh, due to saturated grounds and anticipation of more bad weather or cold weather. So, hey, again, they're going to cancel, and they canceled super early. That makes it convenient for people that were traveling in town to uh, to spectate. So no issue there for, on my end. Uh, the Kings of Thunder 360s had the, I believe it was the I-5 Classic at Kern County out in California. And uh, Dominic Selzy, Gio's brother, took home the win over Shane Golubic and Tim Kading. And I believe DJ Neto was fourth and fifth went to Rico in the 57 car. Moving on to Saturday, I finally got out to a racetrack this year. Finally, finally, finally. I said, screw it. I don't care how cold it is. Uh, we're going to Lincoln, which made my wife super happy. She loves her wingdings. Uh, the grounds, the parking lot was still muddy uh, from the week prior. Uh Apparently, from what I was being told, not as bad as it was, of course, the week before, but it was still on the muddy side. Uh, place was definitely not packed as bad as it was for the icebreaker, which is to be expected. Icebreaker always draws a crowd. Uh, it was fucking cold. I'm going to be honest. It was absolutely cold. But, uh, you know, three, four layers on, and we made it happen. Track was super heavy, which it usually is at Lincoln to kick off this season. Uh, you know... The sunlight is there. We had it a little bit in the afternoon, but it wasn't out all day. Um, but that being said, being at the track was super heavy and not a whole lot of passing. Tim Schaefer did start in the second row and did move his way up to the front, taking home the win. He caught uh, Hunter Schoenberg actually came in town for, for the weekend. He was going to run, I believe, Port as well on Sunday, 
port did cancel a couple of days prior uh, due to the cold temperatures. And but uh, so Schoenberg was in town at Lincoln, and he led pretty much the whole race till about three or four to go. Schaefer caught him and drove away from him, and Billy Dietrich finished out the podium there in third. Hats off to Billy. Uh, good to see him get a podium. Um, but yeah, back to Port Royal. Uh, you know, I give them credit. They did their their research, for, at least from what they stated. They, they reached out to drivers, car owners, uh, and even the manufacturers. And that's pretty a uh, key point there, I think. So to reach out to your engine builders and, you know, discuss with them what you know, it's a, it's a half mile track. It's a big track. It's not a size of a Lincoln. It's a huge track and they pick up so much speed and wind is a huge factor and the air and those temperatures uh, being so cold as it was. And, you know, with those speeds, um, you know, they, they pulled the plug, which I, again, I have no issue with. It's a reasonable decision. It made sense. And, you know, they, um, they had originally, we're going to move some things around from what I understand, but they ended up pulling the plug. And, um, yeah, they're going to go back at it again next Saturday night um, or next Saturday afternoon, I think, to uh, to get their season started. So, you know, no issue there. Uh, the Outlaws went to East Bay Raceway Park on Saturday night, and they have not been there in 38 years, which I find fascinating as much of... The love I have for East Bay, I've only been there twice, but I think it's a badass racetrack. So Outlaws went back there for the first time in 38 years, again, on their restructured schedule. And uh, what an exciting race I think this came out to be. Uh, Aaron Reutzel was fast out of the gate in qualifying. Fell down a little bit as the cars got faster later on in the qualifying session, but he ended up starting towards the front and... For any of you who know how East Bay sits, it is a very wide track in the turns. Very, very wide. When the late models are there for Winter Nationals, they're spread out all over the place. Um, there was a, a lip probably right through the middle of 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. So this could have very easily been a one-lane tight run bottom type race. But Reutzel... And the only one from what we could see on Dirt Vision decided to run on top of the cushion. He ran over it. And nobody else did from what we could see. I think PPM may have tried a little bit here and there. But, they, you know, Royce led the whole way and they kept the camera on him. But he was going up and over the cushion not bouncing off of it, he was going to the next zip code over it, which was fascinating, and ran a hell of a race, and held the lead over Brad Sweet, and uh, Carson Macedo picked up the podium. Now, Macedo, you know, Friday night starting 10th, picking up the win, advancing nine spots, pretty impressive, right? Saturday started, uh, I believe, 18th, and up to 3rd. So nine spots Friday, 15 spots on Saturday. That's a hell of a night, a hell of a weekend, to say the least. Uh, let's move on over to the Outlaw Late Models, uh, the Morton Buildings, World of Outlaws Late Models, Tennessee tip-off on Saturday night at Smoky Mountain. Chris Madden was a missile. Uh, 
he led his heat race by a whole straightaway. Nobody was even close to him. And he led the entire feature wire to wire. Uh, Mike Marlar and Jonathan Davenport were definitely uh, on his tail. And they were trying to, any which way possible, throw things at Madden to get it to stick. And nothing held. Uh, so in the end, Smoky Madden wins at Smoky Mountain. Uh, the Kings of Thunder 360s ran their second portion of their uh, weekend show at Kern County out in California. And that went to Shane Golubic over Rico and Jason Solwald was your top three. And then moving on to today, uh, they had the late model race at Cherokee in South Carolina. And a lot of the uh, the Lucas Oil and Outlaw guys did show up. They had 40 stellar cars, a good field. And uh, the feature just ended, actually, with Brandon Overton holding off Jonathan Davenport. And Jimmy Owens was in third. And uh, to our to everyone's favorite modified driver, Stuart Friesen, did come home in fifth. So uh, hats off to Stu. Hats off to all the guys that uh, picked up wins this weekend. I know Mark Smith did pick up another 360 win down in Florida last night. Congrats to him as well. And uh, sending out best wishes to uh, Smokey Madden. So Chris wins last night. Woke up this morning utterly ill. Had to go to the, the doctor or hospital, whichever it may be. And was unable to show up at Cherokee today. Um, so, uh, you know, hope he gets better and uh, gets back out to uh, competing again shortly. But uh, that, I believe, is all I have for you guys today. We're going to move into an awesome conversation I had uh, at the uh, earlier part of the week with none other than the Wheelman, as Barry Angstack calls him, Timmy Buckwalder. Uh, Timmy and I touch on a lot of different things. Uh, you know, we go through the whole situation that happened to Timmy last July with uh, the freak accident that happened at Bridgeport and, uh, you know, what it was like going through the rehab process, getting himself back out the first race he competes in is the chili bowl which is phenomenal you know he didn't he didn't choose to to run something a little bit less of a mainstay in everyone's household and and picked one of the biggest events of the year to uh to make his return to to racing but uh yeah hope you enjoyed the interview and uh, we will be back at it next Sunday with uh, a nice recap of Georgetown. I cannot wait. Modifieds are back on Saturday. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So I will see you guys in a week from today. But till then, enjoy the show. Now joining the Four Wide Salute podcast this week is... Uh, one of my friends and one of the most versatile drivers I think you'll see across the country, Mr. Timmy Buckwalder. Timmy, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. How you doing? Fantastic. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, wanted to start off with giving you a few names, and then I want to hear you know, what you have to say about these names. Okay. So Sheldon Kinzer, Mike Bliss. James McElrath, Mike Spencer, Mitch Smith, Brian Gerster, Jeff Gordon, and Gordon Johncock. Do you know what that list is? I didn't know that list until I was on the way back from Florida. 
And then I uh, realized what that list was. <laughs> You're in some um, great company on that list. Yeah, you know, it was kind of made the ride home from Florida a lot easier. Um, you know, we struggled a little bit in the future, but uh, getting quick times always fun. And, uh, you know, super hard against that competition. And then to read that and hear that we're one of them only guys to set three quick times at a track is uh, definitely uh, crazy when you look at some of the names. Yeah, that's uh, over. And I think like the latest one was in the 80s or 90s or something. So it's been a while since anything has been set. Yeah, well, I think Jeff Gordon would have had to have been at least the early 90s, maybe right around 90, somewhere in there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, You're right, though. The competition out there today in the the non-wing sprint car world is as tough as nails. And everything's so, you know, chassis are all built the same. Motor programs are kind of all up there. So, yeah, it's absolutely tough. And to go to a track that you don't have a lot of seat time at. So it's not even a matter of you doing it in your backyard. You did this in Florida. Yeah, that's what makes it even uh, more interesting. You know, we uh, we kind of got on to some. We this last year down there, we didn't get to run. Um, but the last race down there, we kind of all came across something for time trials. And, uh, I mean, it's definitely lights out, you know. And uh, it doesn't really seem to matter as much when we go out either. You know, we kind of proved that this last time, getting two fast times. We were in session one, and then we went to group two. And I uh, did the same thing again the next night. So kind of says a lot. We have something figured out there for the two laps and 40 cars to where the track is. So when you're out there for your time trials or even hot laps and you see where you're, where you're picking up time and who's ahead of you and who's not, I mean, when you came off the track after time trials, did you know you put down a good lap? Um, You know, I'll start off by like hot laps. Um, you know, both nights we went out in hot laps and we were quick time in our group. Um, and then you got to watch down above as you know, if you're in group one or two or three, the track always gets faster um, in hot laps because it's pretty slimy early. So we were quick. Um, and then you go out for time trials and they have that board on the back stretch when you go to pull in. And uh, you kind of get excited when you see, you know, I seen the number seven up there. Uh, um, and I don't know that Courtney went or maybe he wasn't on the board. Um, so I know it was our seven that was on top. Yeah, that's a it's an interesting uh, track down there for one. I mean, uh, you know, you were down there with the modified a couple of weeks before that. Did you see any differences from when you were there with the modified to when you brought out the sprint car? Um, yeah, the track was definitely different. Um I'd say, well, maybe it wasn't, I don't, I'm not a dirt guy, so I don't really know how the prep works and how they do it, but it seemed like when the modifieds were down there, they either had too much water or it took forever to run in. Where when the sprint cars were there, you know, it didn't, it burned off a lot quicker. Now, I don't know if that's because of the style of cars or what, mm-hmm. but they definitely prepped it differently. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think that modifieds were there. That was the first time that the Northeast modifieds were down there. So that could have also contributed to it as well. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, you guys didn't have a whole lot in the feature going on, uh, you know, or even even the heat races. But just to set quick time across a national series like that, you're still walking away with something, you know, to kind of pat yourself on the back with. 
Yeah, and our heat races were good. Like, we showed good speed um, come heat race time still. Um, we just got a little tight in traffic all night, heat in feature. But, you know, the USAC with that six invert, um, you know, you go down there and you, you start six in a heat race and you're in heat one and you look at who's next to you, behind you, and in front of you, it's hard to make anything up, you know. Um, I think I heard when I was down there, now correct me if I'm wrong, you might have heard it. Only one guy won last year at USAC sprint car feature that set quick time because the competition's so hard and they put you six all night. Yep. Um, I'm not complaining about an invert, but the facts are the facts, you know, it just makes it that tough. Well, and, and I think USAC across the board, whether it's midgets or whether it's sprint cars, is so competitive and a talent whether the guys that are there that have been there the last five to 10 years or the new fresh faces and the younger guys that are coming in, it's so tough. And on a week to week basis or a night to night basis, you really don't know who's going to win. No, you don't have a clue. You know, it's definitely uh, not like it was, you know, even five years ago. Um, It's definitely seems to spread out more on who wins and who doesn't. Um, and the racing's better, you know. I I think we're so equal. Like you look at the times there throughout the night, everybody, even come feature time, is so equal within you know two three tenths of each other. Um, that's what puts on the show and makes it that much harder. Yeah, I I absolutely agree to that. Uh, so just to bounce back from last year now to put you in the position of where you were down at Bubba's. You know, you had a hell of a season starting off last year with uh, and I don't recall the last time I've seen someone start off as hot as you did last year, especially in the modified. You win the Bruce Rogers, you win the All-American 40 down at Bridgeport, and then you win the Georgie Stevenson at, at Diamond. Where did you see your season heading throughout the rest of the year as far as your program you had together? Um. I mean, I think we were going to head until we could stop. Um, I mean, you know, COVID kind of threw everything for a loop last year for everybody. And, um, you know, we were a one night a team car. That's all the 23 X's. And, um, you know, the COVID deal hit. So we had a couple months there, not necessarily saved up, but didn't spend anything either. Um, we came out hard. And I think key to some of my success, A, was Norm giving me a new car and letting us build it and put all the candy we wanted on it um definitely helped i mean was huge to get our program where it needed to be and keep it there all year um so i think we were set up to have it there all year the speed but it came down to uh you know we were running two to three nights a week for two three months there like we were we were a Jeff Strunk and a Dwayne Howard, you know, that we were running hard. Like my guys were in it. We were winning. Um, we were running Friday, Saturday, same car, same operation. Um, and then we were running three nights a week. You know, we, you said the three, we won, but we went to uh Susky first. Yep. And, uh, come from ninth and drove up to second. And, uh, I made a little mistake on a restart with a couple to go. And I think we almost had that one with Lobach there. Uh, just to keep the momentum, a lot of this is uh, in the racing world is all about momentum. You know, mm-hmm. the team was driving, I was driving, um, 
we had a lot of momentum. You know, you kind of, I don't want to say you come into the pits cocky by any means. I'm not like that. But when you start running good, you kind of walk into the pits with your head up. You know, you're not worried about speed. You, you have speed. You're more worried about, you know, what's going on? What's the track doing? What changes am I going to make? You're not looking for it. And uh, we got lucky last year and came out and had that and then could concentrate on just our own program, not trying to get the program better. So when you're when you're having success like you were last year to start this season and then, you know, everyone knows across the board, you know, you have a lot of different rides. You have a lot of different divisions you run when you see your modified program taken off like it was. Did it pull you away from the other cars at any point in time? Um, like is I'm your focus say, shift? It did. Um, you know, I I, I can't say that, like I made that decision. I would have right. to say COVID made that decision a little bit. Okay. Uh, you know, the speedsters didn't start running yet. Uh, we were running. We just started there. Um, it was kind of like I my focus going into last year was going to be over last winter was modifieds. Like if I go hit a micro show or track with customers, great. But my main focus was to either be or racing at a modified track last year. Mm -hmm. And um, I think just having that in my mind over the winter and not worrying about other cars that I run as far as managing or staying up on setups and stuff, uh, definitely helped me stay focused and concentrate just on the modifieds. And that's the way it's going to be this year, even though I run a, for Paul in the sprint car, um, Barry with the 600. I don't have to worry about that. Like at the end of the day, I get out, tell them what I feel, we discuss it, and then we move on to the next one where I don't have to figure out how to make it better, what to do. Um, we end up communicating a lot, but yeah, you also – I don't have to be a hundred percent focused on that. So everything's on my modified program, uh, which really okay. cleans that up. Okay. So you basically have a, a, a bigger core of people around your, your micro and your sprint car program that you're more a driver than you are the setup guy. Yes. Or even, you know, uh, a mechanic, like I don't right. even, you know, I, I don't want to say I don't have to, because that no by no means I'm really a hands-on kind of driver. Yeah. Um, but Paul has all his guys, you know, all great guys. And, uh, you know, I have no worries that something's loose or anything. Um, everything's always perfect. And I don't have to necessarily be hands-on and get down and dirty with that end of things. And running with Barry, we've been together for, I think this might be six or seven years. Um, we don't do much to our micro. I mean, we roll our micro package the same way to every track minus change gear and race. So that makes it pretty easy too, you know, mm -hmm. for both of us. But the modified ends hands on. Like I got the 23X Norm's car here at my shop. Um, we do everything from towing the truck and trailer to, you know, putting gear in it or washing it. We do everything. And then the 51 this year, it's kind of going to be the same thing. I'm going to go down there a couple of days a week and be hands-on on that, too. So how did the deal – I mean, you ran for Norm Saxton now the last couple of years. How did that deal come together for you? Um, 
you know, I never really got the hundred percent story. You know, um, I'll be honest. I was laying in bed one Sunday morning and I got a text and it was, uh, from Billy Jr. And, um, he says, Hey, a guy named by the name of North Saxon might be looking for a driver. I mentioned your name and gave him your number. Um, he might be contacting you. And then later that day, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for throwing my name out there. Um, later that night, um, Norm gave me a call. And I went down and met with him at his shop. And, uh, you know, he had a little bit of older stuff. Um, he had a very good assortment of stuff. You know, some good, some bad, some needed to go through. But, you know, he trusted me. Um, I went down the next day with a truck and trailer and picked everything up that we needed to go racing and brought it to my shop. And, you know, we had two tough, I don't want to say tough seasons. We got a win a grain here, which is tough to do all year. Um, just started to, you know, weed out the bad stuff, bring in some better stuff, brought in some better sponsors to help Norma Ford. I don't want to say better cars, but stay up with the Joneses, you know, keep us competitive for 30 races a year. And, uh, then by the end, that was two years we did that, or the end of last year, we said, all right, let's sell everything and go get a brand new Bicknell and get a fresh Marson motor. And that's what we did. That really helped the program out, too. Well, yeah, and keeping up with the program, that's the key in any division of racing. It's you have to be on top of your chassis and your motor programs and everything in between. You have to. So Yeah, I mean, today's world, you know, we don't have a decent drivable motor and a relationship with your motor builder and a good shock guy or know your own shock program. I don't see you being successful in today's racing world at a competitive doing it for a living state. Yeah, there's no argument there. So now you got the 51 this year with, with uh, Danny Summerling with the, the Danny's pizza bizarre ride. Yeah. And you're going to run Bridgeport on Saturdays. Yes, we're on Bridgeport full time. Are you a little hesitant? At Bridgeport? Yeah. No, I want to go back out and uh, finish what I think I had started at that place. You know, uh, you know it's funny. Uh, I wasn't sure I was going there last year. Um, Grandview's 12, 15 minutes from me. You right. know, it's hard to almost drive past Grandview being so close for the same money, but... Uh, Doug told me, you got to come down here, man. I built this place. This, this is like you. This is your style. This track will fit you, I'm telling you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, we went down there, and it, he was right, you know. Um, before I got hurt, I made the switch that that's where we were going to run. Um, and, you know, it, as far as being hesitant, I, I won't be hesitant because I wrecked there. Um we're just going to go and try to get familiar with the 51 team and get the program where we need it and try to win a championship. Yeah. And I think they have a lot of notes too. I mean, that car ran there all last year as well. So they have, um, you know, more seat time, if you will, at the new four tenths, as opposed to what, you know, the limited amount you got in last year. Yeah, definitely. Um, and they had good success, you know, uh, which is a little different situation getting into a modified team for me than it is like with norm um i mean they ran good all there last year so you know i got some tough uh, shoes to fill there with richie um he's a hell of a driver and uh 
you know, it's going to be challenging. By no means is it ever easy. And uh, we're up for it. That's good. That's good. And, and, you know, what you did down there with the All-American 40, you know, it already shows that you know how to get around the place. You know how to get around the place faster than the other guys that are out there at the same time. So I don't doubt that you won't succeed down there or, you know, get to the front. I, I don't doubt that at all. Now, going back to, you know, that that night last year, do you remember all of what happened? Um, I mean, I remember, you know, <laughs> you're only as good as your last race. I was told that years ago, going into this deal, doing it for a living. So, you know, you don't I don't want to say you forget your wins, but, you know, you don't. I try not to remember every little thing about a race that happened this week. Mm-hmm. Try to concentrate on what's going on, but yeah, I remember most of the night. Yeah, it was. Uh, I wasn't there. I was at Port Royal actually, and uh, and I think Merck called me and he's like, "Dude, there's some bad thing just happened at Bridgeport." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "There's cars everywhere," and you know, there's that little bit of footage that was out there in social media, and holy hell, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, and. Uh, I was lucky enough. I I say I was lucky enough. I was in the beginning of the wreck. True. So the carnage that went on, clearly I got part of it, but I wasn't in the big middle part of it. Right. You know, um, I got struck by Buffalino's car is what did damage to my car. um, As he was helicoptering off the wall. So I got out of it pretty early as far as car down you know my car i would have continued racing there um minus the power steering line you know axle a little bit right and the body destroyed um but you know i do remember one thing about the night and it was i believe there was still i don't know he had 10 laps it was still there was still a lot of time to get something going and I was a little off. I wasn't as good as I've been down there. But something came to me. Like, my car came. Like, we, I think we were restarting six there. And I, I do remember before that restart and that wreck saying to myself, I think we got a shot at this thing. Like, I didn't think that the whole race. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 coming down to the end, we had that double file restart. And I'm restarting six. I'm thinking, I got a shot at this. These guys aren't getting away now. And uh, my car's coming to me. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think, and I think the thing of it didn't something come off of Buffalino's car that hit your leg. I mean, I don't know that there was much bolted onto Buffalino's car after. So yeah, there was a True. lot of things that came off and went somewhere. You know, there was a good rumor that the front axle got me. Um, which is all like a freak thing. I mean, anyone yeah. knows the openings that you guys crawl in and out of into your into your seat. It, they aren't that big. No, the panels that got destroyed um, were right at the shifter and clutch levers. Mm-hmm. Um, they were bent clear down onto my leg. Um, they, there was no way the axle came into that compartment. Um, I would say maybe frame rail tie rod something along that line came in yeah um his axle might have destroyed my body a lot but his axle definitely did not come in the car to get me because 
you know, his axle was still sitting there with the hugs and stuff and the opening that it came through, it would have never fit. Yeah. And that, and that's so big of a piece. Yeah. There's no way, um, you know, we've seen it happen. I remember Spencer Basin in the wing car at Grandview the other year, a pack of mud flew off the boilerplate, hit the side of the car and broke his leg. You know, and at the end of the day, chunks were flying yeah i wouldn't doubt that it could have been a big hunk of mud and it bent the shifters and slammed my leg over a hundred percent yeah i mean i could agree it's just one of them freak things i mean uh yeah totally free you know and everything we run um you know not as you don't really think about wrecking or getting no. injured um but you know you would think out of you know sprint cars midgets micros speedsters and modifies what i run yeah modifies the last thing you know but right. you never know you, you take you can't take anything for granted it's kind of what You're my exactly situation right. to anybody i can if i could share anything to help anybody you can't take anything for granted yeah for and, sure. and, but, and along those lines i i would not be satisfied if i did not bring this up you actually scared the living shit out of me at Grandview Eastern Storm in 2019. Oh, yeah. You scared the I had never been that scared at the racetrack in my life. And I was I had actually just watched you the full maybe lap and a half before that. And I saw it from beginning to end. And I was I, I had to be pale in the face. That was yeah, wild. That was, a, that was a good one. Man. Um, you know, and usually the good ones like that are done by yourself. And, uh, I mean, it was a hundred percent my fault, uh, came off the of turn four there, caught the wall with the right rear and, uh, once the right front, it was game over and it just started going. And, uh, I got really lucky on that one. Um, all my safety stuff was a hundred percent right. And to this day, I won't switch off of the safety stuff I have because of that. You know, new stuff comes out every year, but when you take one like that and you can just walk it off, um, it's tough to change anything. You know, down to how you mount your seat and everything, you, you, you really try to follow in and stick to your gun there on that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, that one went for a while, man. I do remember in that one, like, wondering when it was going to stop. You know, that's one of them flips that you're like, oh, ah, ah. Yeah, okay, it can stop any time now. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, now for all the people that are listening, I know this is a common question that comes up, and I'm not sure anyone gets a, a clear understanding of what goes on in your position. So now that you remember that happening, what does a driver, what are you taught or what do most do in this situation when you know you're going to go over? Like, do you do something different with your, your arms or, you know, you tuck your chin, those kinds of things. Like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Um, I mean, for me, you guys would have to put a GoPro on and hopefully catch the right scene. Um, I don't really know, you know, you, everybody's told to hold a wheel this way or that way. I think every driver does whatever they're comfortable with. Okay. When you do what we do and you're, you know, you're on the edge every lap trying right. to get the max out of it. Um, you know, you, your tendencies of what you're supposed to do and what you actually are doing are never on the same line, you know, um, heat of the moment you know, decision so, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I was always taught from my dad as a kid, 
to never let go of the steering wheel. Okay. Um, you know, I've heard things, you cross your arms, grab your helmet, you know, um, I just try to treat it like I'm at, you know, Donnie Park or Six Flags and hold on and, you know, and you don't want to put your hands up and say, this is a fun ride, you know? No, no, no. <laughs> um, I can't, I can't imagine just, anyone's going, wee. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just, and I'll be honest with you, anybody that has time to do something is better than I am. You know, when that's happening, you know, your first instance, I don't know if I talk across, I, I pretty much just hold on. Gotcha. <laughs> Try to hold on to the steering wheel and uh, hopefully you had everything right on, as far as your safety and you don't move around much. Yeah, I was just curious because, and like I said, I've, I've heard, you know, people are going to talk and going to offer up their opinions. And I've heard different things, you know, grab your belt, something like that. And mm-hmm. I was just curious on, on, you know, now that, you know, you have a little bit of a, experience with those kinds of things i figured i would just uh you know pick your brain and see what what you went through um so let's get rid of the the bad things that have happened over the last few (laughs) years um let's go back so you know what do you consider your starting in in racing i mean i'm i'm gonna say you were probably in quarter midgets oh yeah with yep. your with your involvement down there now, and you know your shock program, and and you do a lot for these these kids that are coming up through. Um, did did someone help you out the way you help kids out now? Um, I mean, in this racing world, you always have a lot of helpers and a lot of people that will lend a hand. Um, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, to start my racing career, my biggest help and support was going to have to be my parents, you know, um, my dad, as many, no race modifieds and micros and stuff as a kid. Um, and, uh, I think I was seven years old and, uh, my dad's buddy said, Hey, you're going to let Tim race. Was, yeah, if he wants to, he goes, well, let's take him down here to Phoenixville and see if he wants to. I got the car. And um guy by the name of Howard. And we went down and I liked it. And my first two years of quarter midget racing, my dad still raced, so his buddies took me racing. Um, you know, he might come on a Sunday if I ran or on a Friday or something, you know, or a Wednesday night at Phoenixville, but during the week, he was either having to get his modified ready and definitely was going down to Bridgeport at that time to run. So Saturday nights, I would go with somebody else, you know. Um, and then when I got it, was somewhere, you know, a year and a half, two years into it, dad quit. He was he retired, got he sold everything and said, all right, now we're going to go quarter measure racing. Dad actually started a business. Him and uh, Fellini started a quarter midget business. So, as a kid from I would say 110 till I was 17 and got out of quarter midgets, I raced all over the country for you know my dad because it was his business and he was selling parts and engines and chassis and all kinds of stuff. So, were you were you like the the kid to beat in the quarter midget world? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I was the kid to beat. I mean, I would say we were very competitive. Okay. We won our share of big races and nationals. Um, you know, we were, one thing we did more, I would say, than most kids 
in my time of quarter midget racing now um, is bounced around a lot more. Okay. Um, I never was just an asphalt or just a dirt guy. I, I, that's actually a lie. My last year in quarter midgets, I was strictly asphalt. Um, but all the way up, we, I mean, dad would run me two nights on asphalt, two nights on dirt in the same week. No problem. It, it didn't matter if we were traveling or running local. If there was a race and we went, and we went to it, we didn't care if it was dirt or pavement. Oh, wow. Which back then and even today, a lot of guys still, you know, we run dirt. We don't run pavement or we run pavement. We don't go and run dirt. Right. You know, um, that was one thing I do remember and know dad did with me. You know, definitely would run whenever and wherever. It didn't matter. You know, whether it was the parking lot or a stone lot or sand or dirt, we were on it. And, and you know what? And sometimes that's the attitude you have to have, though, too. Yeah. You know, and, so there's guys you know, out there today I, that are like that. Oh, I don't want to run that track. I don't want to run that big track. I'd rather run a smaller. It's like if you're going to race, race. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, without my parents, I would have never got the seat time I did as a kid and never got to learn how to bounce back and forth all in the same week. You know, um, the key why I think. I can jump back and forth in and out of cars, you know, like cuts down night to night, mm-hmm. same, you know, same track, two different cars or run a non-lane 410 and then jump in a and still be decent. Um, is because since I was little, I was going from dirt to asphalt back and forth, you know, in the same week. So that really helps in the long run. I think that's interesting. You brought that up about, uh, you know, like cuts down every week. You're, you're running two different divisions. Does that get hectic after a while? I mean, I know they try and they don't try and put you in the first heat of, say, speedsters in the last heat of the 600. So you're not double back in there and they give you a little bit of time to switch over. But does that get well, hectic? Well, they do double, but they will double back us. But one thing they do do is they'll wait for you. You know what I mean? Like, right, I, right. I don't even say they wait because after the 600 or after the speedster feaster, I barely get a water and make sure I got enough tarot so I'm, you know, and I don't, I got to have you know, my wife or show or Harry or my buddies like, Oh, grab me a couple more tarot. You know why I'm getting in. Um, it doesn't wear you. I'll tell you where it wears you out. Um, heat races when either both your cars are slow or both of them are wrecked. Oh, that'll wear you out real quick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> knock on wood. That's only happened to us a couple of times. Right. right? years we've been doing it but third of nights when you're on your way home even if you you know you could tear up two cars and then still run first and fifth or have a decent night out of it you're on the way home going why do i do this you know it's like a bad day at work you know even though you still got your pay but it was a bad day at work (laughs) i mean the funny thing about it is if you want to look at it in this perspective and maybe you will this is great i i always say you know like you and billy jr the two that they're always waiting for you because most times you guys are finishing podium in the speedsters, right? And and then everyone's already out on the track and then here come you two guys. And I always say it's like, it's like the last entrant to the Royal Rumble has to make their grand appearance. (laughs) (laughs) You guys aren't coming out in line with everyone else. No, you get your own separate entrance, which it just cracks me up. Yeah. So so you have to give like a wave next time you do that. (laughs) Yeah, well, when I pull on in the 600 for the feature, I'll wait down the home stretch to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) 
So speaking of waving, uh, you know, get a little off topic here, but I I remember you winning the midget heat at Lanco. And mm-hmm. you knew we were all sitting up on on the drunk tank. Yeah. And you went over and, and, and gave your, you know, your little like hometown salute thing. How how great was that to win that heat race in front of, you know, your home hometown crowd? You know, what I got the most out of that was I could hear the yelling before I even pulled up there to give the salute. That oh, was yeah. Like you guys were already hooting and hollering. As I, like I, the yellow come out there, the checker come out, I come around the next lap and I go to pull up high and crack my shield. And I already heard you guys yelling before the salute. <laughs> but as I drive away, they're still hooting and hollering. And I'm thinking, man, USAC has no clue what just happened and who's down there. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Uh, so that was, that was definitely a, very cool opportunity and something cool to do, you know, that catch you guys on the right day. I think there might have been a rain out and stuff. So everybody was in a place with back. Oh, it was I think in comparison, that was the most packed it's been over the last couple of years. I mm-hmm. I can't imagine it's been any any more than that than it was that night. Yeah, that was no, crazy. That was good. So all right, so going back to, you know, you're at the end of your quarter vision career now, you know, you got to move on to bigger and better things. What are you are you already lining up rides for different divisions at that point? Or are you still contemplating doing different things? Well, you know, I ran quarter midgets full time there until I was 17 because my it was my dad's business. So mm-hmm. until I couldn't run anymore, dad was gonna have a car there and promote his product. Right. Um so I ran them forever. Um but one thing that is really cool about the situation is about when I was 14, maybe, I think I was 14, I'm going to say 14, um, a guy by the name of Bob Rexrode, <clears throat> family friend, owned some micros, said, hey, Rick, which is my dad, mm-hmm. hey, you want to let Tim try out a micro? We were a little hesitant, you know, parent-wise, but dad's like, yeah, let's do it. Where can we go? And we went up to Greenwood Valley. And, um, we got approved. We got the run. So I started hit, playing around when I was 14 in a 270 um, for a year or two, still quarter midget racing. It was the priority, but, you know, I got to play around a little bit, and that was uh, Bob Rex Road. And then my dad gave me a – after we got out of quarter midgets, we ended up with Steve's old 270 car, and we ran that for a couple years. Okay. Um and then, you know, my first, I want to say full-time, big-time, you know, go, let's go race 80 races a year if we can, would have been Gary and Donna Spots in the 600s. You know, I was still running around in the 270s and stuff, and I uh, got the opportunity to run for them and ran for Gary Spots for five years uh, full-time. Like, it was like a dream come true, you know, a kid's age of – I don't know if I was 18, 19. Um, it was like a dream come true there to have three cars run three nights a week and 600 scene around here. So seat time for me, you know, people look at my schedule and see a hundred races and they're like, I don't know how you do it, but I've been doing it since I was seven. You know, I, if I only have 50 on my schedule, I would get bored. <laughs> <laughs> so now, you know, 
every year you're running. It seems like more and more and more, to be honest. And, you know, you still have your business. How do you deviate your time? Because you can't you can't leave your your customers waiting because you need to go out and race. But then again, you also can't tell your car owners, uh, you know, we can't run this night or this night or this night because, well, I got to work. So how do you You deviate your business? Well, it comes down to good guys. Um, You know, I got three dedicated guys for, you know, I'm going to say we're close to 15 years together. Three of my guys. Okay. Um, Buck, Monkey, and Rob, and mm-hmm. you know they're at my shop every day when they're done work, hanging out. Whether they're just shooting shit or we're doing something, whether we're racing or not, um, without guys like that and having good teams, I could never do it. Um, my schedule's no busier this year. It is actually a little busier being I got the 51 deal and we're doing daily races Mm -hmm. that added, you know, maybe 15, but for the last eight, nine years, it's been, you know, no less than 75, but, you know, races on the schedule to start, you know, come January when we try to make our schedule, you might not get that many in, of course, because of rain outs and whatever, but that's what you write down. It's been that way. Um, you kind of just juggle it as I don't sleep much. And I, all I do is this 24, <laughs> seven, seven days a week. You know, I get into my shop at nine, 10 o'clock. Everybody calls me a banker, but <laughs> I wake up in the morning. I spend a little bit of time with my kid. Um, he either stays home with mom, maybe comes to the shop and hangs out for a couple hours after that, or he goes to the grandparents. Um, so, you know, but I'm at my shop till nine, ten o'clock. Personally, you know, I might quit and then got to spend a couple hours at night on my own stuff in the back room. Right. So the way I juggle it is just do it. Um, business wise, this year I got backed up. I am backed up, super backed up. This might be the first year in seven years of being in business that people might not get their stuff on time. I don't want to say that. I'm here working on stuff as we're talking. Um, but it, 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 with injury, I don't want to blame my knee, but that kind of threw me off a loop. And, um, I was in the middle of building a new, me and Amanda and my son were get, we're building a house and a new shop. Oh, nice. And we're, we're looking to hire people and try to get a little more organized and, you know, more customer friendly and have more stuff going on for, um, business-wise and it all kind of got put on a hold this year with the covid and our builder got hurt and amanda losing her dad it was just kind of a crazy situation this year then i got hurt mm-hmm. um so this winter's been crazy uh i am definitely backed up on shocks right now for sure um i got a guy in here helping me and we're gonna get them done for everybody that's just the way we do it you know whether we got to work around the clock or whatever we got to do, we'll figure it out and get it done for the racer. Yeah. What's, what's, in, what's interesting is the guys like you and, and I'll always, you know, bring up Billy cause Billy jr. Is the same way. It, you know, he's got rides through <laughs> that could last him a lifetime, but both of you amongst your racing schedule and your work schedule seem to be like the energizer bunnies and you guys don't stop. You don't sleep. 
and you can multitask like no one else I've ever known. You know, when it comes to not sleeping, I don't know. I, I'm not going to speak for Billy, but I'll speak for myself. I will guarantee myself no less than five hours. Okay. You know, I, I will not operate. Not that you can't, but you get sloppy. Oh, I know. And I won't get sloppy. I'm a 100% kind of guy. So I, I do get sleep. I, I mean, I, sleep like I, I mean, in the, the sense of till... like no naps and like, I'm not saying no. you're never sleeping, but you know, it's a, it's a metaphor. You know, you guys are just working a lot and you and you race a lot and you manage to get everything done. It comes down to the team thing again, man. You know, uh, I got, you know, Amanda won't be afraid to bring dinner down to the shop. Um, you know, so you, you don't have to stop. Right. The only downfall, not and it's not a downfall at all is. You kind of, I got to make time for the sun. You know, I don't get to see a three-year-old or a two-year-old. So there's days that I do shut the phone off and say, enough's enough. You know, um, you know, I went, (laughs) this winter was a little crazy with traveling and trying to get back into shape for race season, Um, going to Florida twice and then the Chili Bowl. um, I took a vacation there the second time to Florida with my family and turned the phone off and said, I don't know enough. We're going to have four days of eating time here, you know, because I won't get to see him at three and a half as he is now again. So I can't miss them opportunities either. Um, Well, and that's the perfect time for it. That was the perfect time for it. Oh, absolutely. And you 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 weren't going to leave, come back home, fly back down, fly back again. Like, you know, you had a couple of days in between modifieds and USAC. It made no sense. And he's involved in it just as much as I am. You know what I mean? And from when he was born till now, he's eats, sleeps, breathes it like dad does. And comes to the shop in the mornings. Every night he comes to my shop. We're hanging out. I'll be tearing shit up every night, you know? So you still get to see the time, but, it's a juggling factor. And, you know, the one thing I tell people is I live the dream because I don't wake up. If you wake up, it's a nightmare. <laughs> you just keep living the dream. Right. You, just, you can't think of anything differently. It's a way of life. That's the only thing I can explain it. Yeah, I had to laugh. Uh, you know, we were up at Lehigh Valley Grand Prix on Saturday for mm-hmm. uh, for your event, which I thought was great, by the way. Uh, it was a pleasure to be there. But um watching Aiden walk around with your helmet on was hilarious because those helmets are not light by the imagination. And and he's walking around and not even just fully on his head. No, he had it like balancing, you know, like you guys do when you, you know, you get Mm -hmm. out of the car, he had it balancing on his head and I'm watching him like, how is this kid not staggering right now? Well, he's got a lot of practice. He has one of my (laughs) older helmets at home. He has to have his own. So, I gave him one of my older ones, so you know he gets on his bike and he's down playing race cars. He puts an old helmet on, <laughs> way too big, you know, and it's been that way for a while. So he's got it. He, he's got it down, you know. As long as, if I could get him to unstrap it, we'd be in good shape. He knows how to strap him, but the unstrapping part, we're still working on. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, he's a uh, he's getting big, man. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be too long, so he's going to be taller than you, but, you know. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that means he'll have a good golf swing. <laughs> yes. You don't have to become a racer. You can golf. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. 
Buckwalder, the golfer. Ah, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you brought up, you know, getting in shape for the racing season. Um, so, you know, you, you had a lot of time uh, off last year, obviously. And, uh, you know, it was awesome seeing you back at the Chili Bowl. I thought that was the the greatest stage you could have had your comeback at, to be honest. Um, made the A of your qualifier night. How physically exhausting was that? Um, it was definitely exhausting, you know. Uh, it, it, you know, it's more mentally in a race car than it is physically. Um, okay. To be honest, I feel, you know, everybody has their own different feel and the way they do things. But, you know, it's all your heads in the game. Like dumb things, like I think the future we went, I don't know, 16, 17 laps there, no caution. Um, I'm not going to say I wasn't wounded, but I, I think I was wounded because I forgot to breathe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mentally, you got to remind yourself, yo, dude, <laughs> you know, get a hold of it here, start breathing. And I, I don't think I did that. And that's when I knew I wasn't mentally in shape yet. Okay. Um, I've been working on that, you know, um, different talk to a couple different people that do, you know, not even involved in racing, but, you know, maybe mountain biking and other forms of sports that they run into the same problem. Fatigue. Uh, yeah, but it was awesome just to, uh, you know, I sat in a couple cars before I went to the chili bowl to make sure my knee felt okay. You know, sat in my own car for an hour. Oh, of course. Working the paddle, just making sure before I went there and wasted somebody's time and get there and say, oh, I can't do this. A little bit of eye racing. Finally, yeah, a lot of eye racing. That definitely got the light pumping going. I've heard you about know, that. I, I'm still really bad at it, but it at least is a good time. You yeah, know, that's, what, that's, what, that's what Glennie said. <laughs> yeah. So, and I go there and we go out there for hot laps. There's nothing like rolling down the ramp at the Chili Bowl to begin with. Mm-hmm. But then to roll down after, you know, being a race car driver and having seven months off rolling down that ramp and knocking in the gear to start, that was like, you know, almost enough to bring tears to my eyes, like, hey, you're back, you know. And then the run good that first time back on our preliminary night, that was, uh, you know, a lot of this game's luck. And I think our luck and pill draw and positioning ourselves right had everything to do with that, but it all worked out perfect. Oh, yeah. Pill draw at the Chili Bowl is, huh. yeah, that's the that's the first obstacle you have to get over is the pill draw. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I know a lot of people don't know the answer to this question. So not sure if you're aware, but I'm pretty sure every year that you run the Chili Bowl and so does Stevie, they like to call you each other's name. So what exactly is your relation to Steve and if there is even one to Bruce? So any of the Buckwaters that race today we're all cousins and then Steve's kids run quarter midgets. Okay. So we're all cousins. Okay. Um, dads are all brothers. Everyone's, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I get that at least once, twice a week. Hey, your brother ran pretty good at Williams Grove last night. I hear it all I the time. Even, I don't even correct people anymore. <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah, he was good. He was good. You know, um, <laughs> over time, I, I'm not going to say I got tired of it, but, you know, I get it so much mm-hmm. that he's, we're brothers. Um, 
mainly with Steve because he does, you know, he races for a living like I do. So it's kind of, you know, we run a lot. Bruce, BJ, he doesn't run as much, um, but he's a cousin too. And you get the same thing, you know, hey, your brother Bruce, he was pretty good last night there. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, yeah, you disagree with it. But at the end of the day, we are all cousins and Steve's kids are the only ones that race. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you got Bruce to deal with with the the USAC 360 deal. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He's going to do the full 360 deal, and then uh, I guess Steve's going to do the sprint car 410 and some midget stuff. Yep. And then his daughter and uh, son are going to run a good bit of quarter midget stuff this year. Have you ever had uh, aspirations to run a wing car? Um, you know, I did, and I got a chance to. Uh, oh man, it's Two years ago, I ran a 360 car for Bob Lillick at uh, Georgetown. Okay. Um, I had an awesome time, you know. Uh, I, I just never went that route being – I never did it a lot with the 600 stuff. I, we did it a lot in the beginning, and then when they took the wings off, I really liked it. And then I went to the midget deal. Um and with dad being a stock car guy and Grandview and big diamonds so close and pay about the same as sprint car racing. That's just the route I chose. I wouldn't be opposed to definitely doing some sprint car stuff in the future wing. Uh, but you know, right now I, my focus is open wheel or stock car. Cool. Like the non-wing stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You have, um, <clears throat> you definitely have a, a nice full, I think evenly spread uh, schedule coming up this year. And, you know, I think we, we can already see that you're, you're getting back to where you were, you know, last year, um, you know, before everything happened, but um, as you wind down here, so, you know, you already got yourself off to making your name notable down at Bubba's, um, you know, with the, with the non-wing stuff. So what exactly are your goals for this year? Um, you know, I'm not a guy that really sets goals. I mean, my goal is to go win races. Um, you know, I don't care if I'm running a race in you at Lehigh Grand Prix. I mean, at the end of the day, my goal is to go win races. Um, I would have to say if I had to make a goal, my goal would be, you know, definitely try to contend for the 51 championship there at Bridgeport. Okay. Um, and on the same aspect, I wouldn't, this is going to be one of the first years I ran a modified that I'm going to run a modified at two tracks for championships. So I can't say I would love to have diamond as well. So to set a goal, I would say we got to, you know, try for championships on Friday and Saturday night. Um, you know, I don't want to say I want to be third in points. I don't want to say I'd be mad at that, but I don't want to say we're going to go win two championships, but that's our goal is to go be a contender in two championships in the modifieds and final Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, and I just ask, being that, you know, you were out of the car for six months and you did go through the rehab you did and you are in a new modified ride this year. You know, I just thought, I'd, you know, Guys can always, oh, well, you know, my goal is to win, you know, the 76er this year. Like every, you know, a lot of guys are going to say that every year. But 
on a realistic basis, I mean, you have a lot of opportunities this year. You are on your comeback tour, whether, you know, people look at it that way or not. But I think realistically running for a championship in both modifieds at two different tracks, I think it's a realistic goal. And it's going to be hella hard on a Friday night. Um, the class of guys we have coming in on Friday night this year is ridiculous. And uh, it's going to be great yeah. to have you back for sure. You know what I like? Um, I never really ran Diamond last my very first year on a modified full time. And the thing with Diamond is, you know, they're around here, you know, us Pennsylvania guys in Jersey. Um, there's only one track that runs Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you go to Diamond, you get 30, 40 cars, whatever show up. Right. They are good, good cars mm-hmm. because it's the only place run. We're not saying Grandview or Bridgeport or New Egypt don't get them on Saturdays, but they're divided. Right. You know, you got three here, three here, three here. Where on Friday night, you're getting all nine of them. Right. <laughs> you know, right. At one track. So, yeah, I, I think Diamond's a very challenging track in general. And then the competition level, especially this year and even last year, you've seen it. Oh, is, yeah. Uh, definitely, I would have to say it's ranked up, if not the hardest, second hardest Northeast modified track here to run for a championship for sure. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting this year. It is. And no breaks this year. No. Pretty much. Yeah. Every week. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, you know, it's uh it's gonna be interesting. Are you um I take it you're planning to run the the wingless car with uh the four tens when they come in. Are you planning to do any three sixty wingless stuff this year? Um, you know, there was a couple opportunities. Um I'm not gonna say they're not going to happen, but right now I don't wanna spread myself thin. Right. So I don't have anything written in any of my schedules for 360 shows. Um, We will run a 410 show there with the Mm -hmm. non-wing. We're plan on, I mean, as far as spring car stuff, the only thing I have planned is the Eastern Storms. So you don't don't have like SmackDown or nothing like that on your schedule yet? No, we are 100% just Eastern Storms. Um... Other than that, that's about all that's open with doing Dale and Bridgeport and Diamond to not miss a weekend. Right. So um, I had to kind of commit to Norm and Danny, mm-hmm. which was 100% fine. But to commit to that Friday, Saturday deal eliminates being able to go to a SmackDown or, you know, Indiana Speed Week. Um, so we're just going to concentrate on Eastern storms and uh, see what happens. And we actually missed one of the Eastern storm deal there. Um, I think it's Susky. We don't go Saturday to Susky because we'll be at Bridgeport with the modified. Oh yeah, that's right. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, at least you have everything lined up. You know what you're doing. It's, you know, it's not a matter, you know, you're not running for USAC points or nothing like that. So it's not going to put you yeah, in a tight spot or nothing like that. We're doing that for so. fun because uh, Paul Latier is one of my best friends, you know. Right. Um, tough guy every day. So uh, and he enjoys it and I enjoy it. 
he has a group of guys that are awesome to work with and uh, you know we're all friends so it's fun to go out and uh you know set quick time and then be horrible in the feature wasn't a bad deal because we still had fun and uh walked away smiling you know i have no pressure there you know you go get in some of these rides you know just that quick time you could be fired because you sucked in the features well they you don't oh, yeah. have that pressure with paul you know oh, so it makes right. that fun more more enjoyable you know you got i have that pressure every modified race mm-hmm. so to go to a sprint car race and not have that or to a micro race with barry Grant is awesome do you have any plans to run the ardc midgets at all no no yeah, I saw I that. Run. I saw that they're back on the schedule, and they have. Yeah, and it's good to see nine shows or fourteen shows. They got a good bit, and I, you know, I don't have any midget stuff. And uh, <clears throat> if Seymour Plane will coming in or something, we might throw it in there when they're at Diamond or something. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, no problem. But I don't really have anything right in the stone. Okay, good. Yeah, well, uh, I'll let you get back to work. I know you're a, a very busy man, but. Yeah. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show, man. I appreciate you having me, man. And uh, Hopefully this deal takes off for you, and I can't wait to listen. I appreciate it. Anybody you want to give any thanks or shout-outs to before we cut loose? Um, Yeah, man, just everybody that uh, is involved. You know, the whole Team 51. Um, and Norm Saxon with the 23X, and Barry and Shrill Greth with the 71 Micro, and uh, Earl Fallon with my speedster. You know, without them guys, I wouldn't have a killer uh race schedule so um just gotta thank them and uh all my product sponsors and primary sponsors that come aboard um check them out on my facebook page or on the car and uh look them up if, you, if they can help you in any way or uh they serve your needs all right man i uh once again appreciate your time uh, send my hellos to Amanda and Aiden. And uh, I guess I'll catch you in, uh, what, a week and a half down at Georgetown? Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you down at Georgetown. And uh, you're only coming Saturday. So I'll see you Saturday. All right, man. I'll catch you. Uh, I'll catch up with you later. Take care, man. <laughs> <laughs>